Hi, church family. Can you hear me? Am I on? I am. Let me get sorted out. Where's Elspeth? Elspeth is going to help me this morning. Elspeth used to read um, scripture at the front of church when I was a kid. And I miss it. So I thought you could indulge me in listening to Elspeth read to us while I point this fan at my body (laughs) so that I don't melt. Is everyone warm enough? Elspeth, over to you. Is that on? Yeah, you're on. Great. We're reading from Acts chapter 28, um, and the passage is entitled, Ashore on Malta. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off him, into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us into his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and they too were cured. They honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there for three days. From there, we set sail at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up and on the following day, we reached Putoli. There, we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so, we came to Rome. 
The brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was so encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had any charge to bring against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound in this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of the brothers who have come here has reported anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through the Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused, and they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation 
has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. After this, after he said this, the Jews left, arguing vigorously among themselves. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Give Elspeth a clap. Thank you, Elspeth. She does do bedtime stories and answer, answer phone messages and things. Just come and see me. I act as her agent, so we'll, we'll arrange a small fee and get that sorted for you. We're closing our series on Acts today. It's been great, hasn't it? Who's enjoyed it? Um, and I just want us to explore a little bit the story that we can see in Acts 28. I don't know about you, but... Maybe you're like Holly and I. I don't know if you've watched any really good TV series recently, maybe on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, or something else like that. And you get really into it, and you get gripped by it. And if, if you're like Holly and I, we'll agree with each other that we'll watch one episode per evening and be sensible and grown up about it. And you watch the first episode, and then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, let's just stick on another one. And then you watch episode two, and you get to the end of episode two, and you say to each other, oh, Oh, look at it, it's like midnight. Oh, should we, what should we do? And you agree, I'll oh, just watch half of the next episode and then we'll, then we'll go to sleep. And you end up watching all of episode three. Anyone else like that? Well, what about those times when you get to the end of the series and it ends on a cliffhanger and then you find out they're not making series two? Brutal. Brutal. And if it's on the BBC, you shout things at the telly like, taxpayers' money paid for this. Where's my TV? Well, when we look in the book of Acts, when we come to the end of the book of Acts, it's this amazing story of the spread of the gospel. It starts with the Great Commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And we see this commission fulfilled throughout the whole of Acts, this progression and advance of the gospel despite the obstacles, despite the opposition, we see that God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and me when he empowers us through his Holy Spirit. That's true for the first apostles and the other disciples, and it's true for us today. So what question I want to ask you this morning is, do you long for the next season of Acts? Season two of Acts, or three, or four, whatever it would be. To see God do things today that we read about in Acts, in Scripture. People healed, people set free, lives transformed, people coming to know Jesus in miraculous ways. Mike Betts, in his book, Everyone a Witness, it's this one on the bookstore. I hugely recommend this. This is an amazing book. He talks at the beginning about the tide being out that it feels like that a little bit in our world, in our society, in, in, in the Western world particularly, um, that there are pools. He talks about pools of gospel fruitfulness dotted around where God is doing things 
and we're seeing some fruit, but generally it feels like there's not so much. And Mike says this in his book. He says, when the tide comes in, it's because God has done it. But he looks for his people to be the agents of his purposes, both through bringing this new move of God to birth in prayer and then by serving the incoming tide through obedient witness. And we will see him bringing people to Christ and planting and strengthening churches to the ends of the earth. So how can we, as King's Community Church, serve the incoming tide? How can we faithfully continue God's mission and glorify him in our sharing of our faith with the people around us, to share what God has done for us? There's three things I want to draw out of this story in chapters 27 and 28 that I think apply to us I think God wants to encourage us with this morning. Those three things are this, prayer, positioning, and perseverance. Prayer, positioning, and perseverance. So let's dive in. The first one is prayer. In Acts, we see that prayer is foundation for mission. It's absolutely foundation. It's absolutely essential. In Acts 1, it says they all join together constantly in prayer. And we see the correlation and the link between people praying and God moving and miraculous things happening. And Paul encourages us to pray, doesn't he? Colossians 4, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And that needs to be our prayer today, that God may open a door for our message so we can proclaim Christ clearly. Prayer reminds us that God is in control and this is his mission. It's it's not ours. He doesn't hand it over to us and, and walk away like a lazy boss who delegates something and says, oh, you deal with that. This is God's mission. And we join him on it. And in prayer, we have a direct link with mission control. We commit our plans to him. We can talk to him about our doubts, about our frustrations, our fears. And as we do that, we learn to trust him more. And when we pray, we expect that God will act. And through prayer... God will encourage us and guide us through his Holy Spirit, through prophetic guidance, words of knowledge. And we need to treasure this as church family. It's one of the distinctive things about our church network, that we value this. And we've seen, we've seen the prophetic. I don't know, wave at me if, if, if a prophetic word has had an influence on your, on your coming to faith and your Christian walk. Yeah, of course, of course. It's hugely important to to hear from God in our mission. In Acts, we see God speak clearly over and over and over again. In the shipwreck even, in the midst of that shipwreck, the angel of the Lord says to Paul, don't be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. So Paul knew that God had spoken. And in the midst of the trial and the suffering and the difficulties, he can be confident even though the setbacks are there. He knows that God has spoken. So he knows, well, if I've got to stand before Caesar, I don't need to worry about this shipwreck. 
And the same is true for us. We can, we can hear from God in the same way. God continues to speak. You know, for a bunch of us, we did, decided to do Alpha Online in Pouring Land back at the beginning of the year. And there was a number of weeks and months leading up to it that we were praying for God to bring people, people that we'd invited. But also, somebody felt that God was saying he was going to send people to us who nobody had any connection with at all. And so we prayed into that word. And you know what? God did it. God sent people who joined us on the Alpha course that nobody had any connection with at all. And these people have sat in our meetings over the last few weeks. God does it. When we pray, God does it. He's faithful. You know, you have to be careful what you pray for. Because if you're going to pray a dangerous prayer, you need to be prepared (laughs) that God is going to move. I'll share with you a a quick story. Um, This is how I know that God is able to use idiots, right? I'm due to go to the barbers yesterday. I've been to this barber time and time again. Wonderful guy. I see the same chap. Noah comes with me. He sees the same chap. It's great. Lovely guy. We have lovely conversations but the conversation has never got on to Jesus or faith. And it starts to frustrate me a little bit. So yesterday morning, I'm in the shower, and I pray, God, I pray that you give me opportunity to talk about my faith this morning while I'm sat in the barber's chair. And I felt God say to me, when he asks you, God makes it idiot-proof for me, right? That's, that's where I'm at. God says, when he asks you what you're doing this weekend, I want you to tell him what you're doing this weekend. Pretty simple. So we get in the barbers. He beckons me to the chair, and he says to me, much going on this weekend? What did I say? No, not much. I sit there, and I'm like, oh. And then the lies from the enemy start, right? The bombardment. Ah, no, you've blown it now, John. That was your chance, and you've blown it. So as I sit down, and he asks me again the same question, so, yeah, he must ask everyone the same thing, right? Oh, is there any, anything happening this weekend? Me? No, not really. And you know what? He looks me in the eye and he says to me, really? Nothing happening this weekend? <laughs> and then a cockerel crowed out. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. But you know what? I thought, if I don't say something now, I'm not walking out the barber's. So I said to him, well, actually, I said, I'm doing a talk at church tomorrow. And he went, ooh. And it opened up a whole conversation about faith and about Jesus. And God, God uses wallies like me who fail over and over again and get it wrong and tell God we want to do something and then don't follow through ourselves. But he's faithful. You've heard it this morning. Despite us, despite people like me, He's faithful. God wants to use us. I hope you can hear that. There are, there are many opportunities for us to pray, personally and corporately too. There's loads of opportunities. We have Friday prayer, don't we, Goff? I think we have Saturday prayer. There's, loads, there's um, prayers of many coming up. I think the next one is in October, part of Relational Mission, where we join with other churches to pray. You can join us in Pouring Land to pray. We pray once a month. 
third Wednesday of every month for an hour in the evening to pray for our community. There are loads of opportunities to pray. And if we're serious about seeing God do the things we want to see happen, we need to pray. There is a direct correlation between our prayers, our corporate prayers, and seeing God move in our city and the villages around us. Amen? Amen. The second thing is positioning, which is a bit of a strange one. But let me explain what I'm getting at a little bit. The sense I get from when I read Acts, and particularly this story, is that being part of God's mission is less about us stepping out, although, of course, there's times when we have to step out of our comfort zones in situations like me and the barbers, and it's more actually about stepping in, stepping into something that God is already doing and already working. We're stepping into the purposes of God for our communities that we live in, and Jesus is in the driving seat. I wonder if you're ready today to be and available to be used by God. The picture that came to me was of these rides you get at the theme park. We went to Legoland recently with the kids, and there's a number of rides that just don't stop, right? And you have to get yourself ready, and nine times out of ten, there's a situation where there's people trying to get off the thing, and you're waiting to get on the thing, and you have to you have to sort of get the kids on and you're off and there's water involved, there's always water involved and you're looking at it and you think, oh, this is just a mess. Cable cars are the one, chairlifts, they're the worst. You look like a complete fool and the staff member positions you about 10 minutes before you need to be there and you stand there like that, waiting for this thing to come back around. Jesus' mission won't stop. It won't wait. Jesus is building his church. The Holy Spirit is speaking and working and moving. We simply just have to choose to get on board and be scooped up into God's purposes. It's really simple. You know, I used to beat myself up about evangelism a lot and sharing my faith with my friends and not not really getting a chance to do it and not really seeing any fruit in it. There was a revelation that came, and freedom that came from realising this, that salvation is God's work. And I just need to be obedient. I need to spend time with people who don't know Jesus. I need to pray for opportunities to talk about my faith and take the opportunities when I'm given them. Jesus said to his disciples, when he first called them, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says they left their nets, they left their comforts, their security, their jobs, their families, and they followed him. We will see people come to know Jesus when we simply follow Jesus on his mission. Mike Betts says this in his book, I'm inviting you into a journey of culture change. If the tide is going to turn, it requires a willing and obedient people through which he can work. For those of us living in nations where the tide of gospel fruitfulness is presently out, this is not the time to just lament. These are the days to give ourselves afresh to the Lord with unswerving obedience and commit to doing what he shows us. 
Let us live not for ourselves or for a comfortable way of life. Unswerving obedience. I love that phrase. That's what it's like, isn't it? Unswerving obedience requires sacrifice, actually. A bit like Paul on his sinking ship in Acts 27, things have to be jettisoned overboard that are no longer required. And we have to learn to say no to some things. And it's not necessarily that they're bad things. Sometimes they're good things, but they get in the way of how God wants to use us. It's easy in the busyness of our lives for mission to get sidelined, isn't it? We don't set out to do it in that sense. It's, it drifts. Life just drifts, doesn't it? Especially if you've got young children. Holly and I, are, we're in the middle of this at the moment. We've been really challenged by God recently. When we look at our calendar, at our schedule, and we look at our spare time, that's the time that we have when we're not working, how much of it does reflect the fact that we're desperate to see our community come to know Jesus? How much of our time reflects that? Or does it reflect something else? And we decided actually when we looked at that that it, it looked like more like the something else. And we had to make some changes. We have to lead our kids through that. But they have to understand what it means to be on mission. Elizabeth Elliot, she's a wife of a missionary to Ecuador in the 1950s. She said this, if we really have too much to do, there are some items on the agenda that God did not put there. There is always time to do the will of God. Let me read it again. If we really have too much to do, there are some items on the agenda that God did not put there. There is always time to do the will of God. Brings me on to my third point, which is perseverance. Mission is rarely easy, actually. Sharing your faith isn't always easy. Mission isn't safe. We can see that in chapter 27. There are times of trial and testing and even suffering. Paul reached the end of himself. We see it in some of his letters where he says, I despaired of life itself. And we will reach the end of ourselves too. But you know, that causes us to rely even more on God. How can we keep going when we come up against obstacles and setbacks in our mission? How can we remain faithful witnesses in times of storm and difficulty? Well, we can persevere because we see that God works in and through the difficulties that we face. We've heard it earlier this morning. God is faithful to see things through. We see God work despite restriction or restraint. Paul was in chains. Many of his letters were written in prison or in chains under guard. God works through it and despite it. For us as a church, you know, COVID, lockdown, was a massive restraint and restriction on us as a church. But God works through it. We did church online. We're still able to proclaim the word of God. We're still able to worship together. We're still able to encourage each other. We did Alpha online. 
We're able to share our faith with others and have gospel conversations with people that don't know him. God is working through these things. God will work despite rejection or refusal. In verse 24, it says, Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. And that's the fact, isn't it? That's the reality. Not everybody we share the gospel with will get on board with it and accept it. Some people will refuse it, and that's difficult for us, actually. And we go into situations knowing that that might be the case. And the biggest barrier to our witness, actually, is fear of rejection, isn't it? It's fear of man. The Bible calls fear of man. Elizabeth Elliot says, Fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. Fear arises when we imagine that everything depends on us. Of course it doesn't. God is faithful. Paul said in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. We see God work despite resistance or opposition. When we stick our head above the parapet, the enemy fires, right? He's going to fire at us. And that could be opposition direct from people. Like in verse 21, it says, we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. And that's the same for us today. There's voices out there against God, against Christianity, against the things we believe to be true, the things we believe to be right. There's circumstantial opposition that the enemy uses to throw us off course. It's you know, maybe something that we, where we see it coming, like Paul with his shipwreck. Maybe for us there might be a job situation, finances, stuff that we see coming but we can't change. Sometimes it comes out of nowhere. Like Paul with his snake. He's just collecting wood for a fire to keep himself warm and a snake jumps out and bites him on the arm. If I was in that situation, I'd be like, God, come on! You know, but he shakes it off. And God miraculously intervenes. Maybe there's things that have come out of nowhere for you. Maybe there's a health scare. Paul says this in Philippians 1. He says, what has happened to me, and here he's talking about being in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. Because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is miraculous. This is huge. It's so counterintuitive. What would cause, what should cause people to, to, to shy away from sharing the gospel? People are going to jail, people are being beaten up, people are being shipwrecked. Does the complete opposite. Because the truth is nothing can stop the advance of the gospel. God will bring his work to completion. That's how that happens. That's how people dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I want to share an example with you of somebody who stuck with things, persevered throughout all these different things. This, you can read about this story. This is an old book, but it's a good one. I don't know if it's on a bookstall. Through Gates of Splendour. Um, 
this lady, Elizabeth Elliot, she was called by God to the Amazonian jungle of Ecuador in the 1950s with her husband, Jim Elliot, and he was one of five missionaries who were looking to share the gospel with unreached people groups. People who had never been reached before, the Orca or Wadani tribe. And they were making progress. They were making good inroads, slow but sure progress in reaching these people and learning to communicate with them. And then one day they decided to go and meet them. And Elizabeth received a call to say that her husband and four others had gone missing and they were eventually found speared to death by the very people they'd been called to reach. That's tragic, isn't it? What do you do with that? You know, less than two years later, Elizabeth and her young daughter Valerie returned to Orca Territory to live among and minister to the people that had killed her husband. And they saw many Orca become Christians. God works through the difficulties, through the trials, through the setbacks, when things look impossible, when it looks like we've reached the end. God is working his plans and purposes out. We just need to stick with him and not give up. One of the most famous things Elizabeth Elliot said is written on the wall in our home. It says, don't give up in doubt what you planted in faith. Don't dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. There will be a cost to our mission, but God will fulfill his purposes. He can and will miraculously intervene in situations. We can keep going and not give up because God's given us the power to persevere. Amen. Let me bring things into land. If the band want to come back up, I'll hand over to Toby in a minute. <clears throat> the truth is, when we look at Acts and we read these stories, we recognize that we need the Holy Spirit's help, don't we? Put your hands up. Maybe you feel like that this morning. We can't do this mission without him. It's impossible. The last thing Jesus said before he ascended to heaven in Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The two things go together, power and witnessing. The Holy Spirit helps us to witness. He helped me in the barbers. He made it clear. He made it obvious. He is a person. He's not a force. It's not Red Bull for evangelism. He's a person. He speaks. He works. He enables. If you remember in Acts 4, they're in trouble with the chief priests and elders, and the disciples pray. This is what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want some of that. 
don't know about you. I'm up for some shaking this morning. Are you? You want to be able to speak the word of God boldly into situations that we come across? I do. Maybe you feel like the tide is out at the minute, like Mike. You long to see it turn. You want to see people in our city and the villages around it come to know Jesus. That's it. That's what we want. Maybe you feel like you're a little bit on the back foot with your witness. I want us to pray for each other today to be filled again with his Holy Spirit to enable us, to empower us for the mission, for the things that God's called us to. Is that okay? You know, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you're here this morning and maybe you're looking in, you feel like you're on a bit of a journey with faith, you're on the fringe of things. I want you to know you're on God's agenda. I hope you can see that in the book of Acts. He has an incredible plan and purpose for your life. If you look at the life of Paul, who used to be called Saul, you can see the transformational work that takes place when God gets hold of somebody and he's lovingly pursuing you today in the same way that he lovingly pursued Paul. So keep exploring. Keep asking questions. Don't shy away. Don't give up. Just know that God is never going to give up on you. Let me leave you with this from Ephesians 3. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here now, that you're speaking to us, you're encouraging us. Holy Spirit, you're speaking, you're moving here today and we just say Holy Spirit come and have your way in us now would you we just give you this time we give you our lives our situations our jobs, our families our hobbies, our ambitions our desires say Lord have your way with this Lord Jesus we long to see people come to know you the way we have We don't want to hide away. We recognise that we need to be bold and courageous. And we thank you, Lord, that you will help us by your Spirit. So we surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.